How did John Wick end up here? Today I'm talking about the franchise's origins and how we got to chapter four. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. movie friends welcome to scott's up indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i am talking about the john wick franchises one of my favorites uh and in particular because chapter four is about to come out and also just to give folks kind of a guide as to the world of john wick and how we got here in case you don't have the time to watch three movies within the next week or so and uh you want to have at least some context for all of the uh <laughs> jujitsu and gun that's going on so that's the general gist. Uh, I won't be talking about the action today. I'm mostly just talking about the world and plot beats of the last three movies uh, before the fourth one comes out. So I hope this is useful and or a fun recap. So without further ado, let's get started. I don't think anyone expected this to happen. When John Wick first dropped in 2014, it was made for almost no money, at least by Hollywood standards, and surprised everyone by being pretty badass. Since then, the series has become larger than... Uh, the series has become larger than the movies themselves by revitalizing the world's appreciation for Keanu Reeves, catapulting the film's directors into Hollywood mainstays, making everything from superhero films like Deadpool 2 to gonzo R-rated action romps like Bullet Train. While the franchise itself has become a familiar bedrock for R-rated stunt-fueled American action that everyone wants to get in on, see the fellas from The Raid and now Donnie Yen showing up. Of course, as the series mythology has grown with each go-round, you might be wondering, how did we get here? So before the highly anticipated fourth film hits theaters, we're going to get into how John Wick started and how it became a globe-hopping bullet and blades extravaganza. We're starting with John Wick. The original John Wick is the simplest film, both in plot and in lore. A crime boss's son decides he wants John Wick's car, with John declines, and Sen's son decides to beat up John, steal his car, and kill the puppy John just got as a post-mortem gift from his late wife. And as it turns out, John is the worst guy to do this to, because John is a retired assassin who used to do the work for the crime boss himself, who is now dead set on killing the son. By the film's end, John ends up killing the son as revenge for the puppy and his father as revenge for killing John's best John's friend who helped him out. The biggest thing to keep in mind moving forward is how the criminal underworld works. While the details are sparse, are sparse we get the impression that the criminal world in John Wick operates under a trade system where favors or jobs are traded for gold coins, which can then be used to to use in the underworld services. For instance, a gold coin will bring some fellows to your door to clean up some dead bodies, get you a hotel room in the Assassin Hub, the Continental, where no one is allowed to kill anyone unless they want to be killed themselves, or some guns and ammo. This world knows John very well, and he knows it too, though we do know that he performed something of a miracle to get out without being murdered. It is, it is also heavily implied that John taking on a member of this world, in this case the crime boss Vigo, isn't a one-time event and will pull him back into said undefined underworld. Which brings us to chapter two. The second John Wick film is John dealing with his decision to re-enter the underworld, after making peace with the Russians, of course. A sire of a prominent crime family, here referred to as the High Table, tells John he has to carry out a blood debt, aka a favor someone can't refuse, which is the murder of his sister. John doesn't want to do this, since he both knows it will put a target on his back, 
and also seems to have a personal relationship with the sister, but is forced to do it anyway. He then fights off assassins that the brother sends after him in a bit of cruel irony before offing the brother himself on hotel grounds, the Continental, which means he is excommunicated and now available to be hunted by all of the people working for and around the high table. The lore expands in this movie as we learn how little things, for instance like blood debts, work, and also expand the scope of things we assumed were localized. Turns out the Continental is actually a worldwide chain, with plenty of resources of their own, and that those coins are as are good at any and all locations run by the High Table. The High Table is the biggest new element that's still loosely defined, but still clearly very impactful and powerful. They can send out assassination contracts, seem to run the whole criminal system, including doctors, tailors, and gun sommeliers, and a limited number of then there's a limited number of heads that run it hence why John is asked to kill the sister there's also hints of people going working on the fringes like Lawrence Fishburne's Bowery King who isn't part of the high table but still does and gets work and resources from them the key thing to know is that by the end of this movie, John's list of resources and allies are seemingly thin and a giant organization with oppressive resources are coming for him which brings us to chapter 3 the biggest movie in the franchise, thus far, gives us the most intimate details, not just about how the High Table operates, but also into John's backstory. John begins this movie on the run and wanted for dead for millions, with every criminal within his radius knowing exactly who he is and looking to collect on the price on his head. This is the movie where he tries to get out from under the High Table, and it rules. After f and it's rules, rather. After fending off some attacks, John goes back to his old Russian crime contacts, uh, Belarusians in particular, where it is heavily implied that he was trained as a young man before rising in prominence, prominence, who is then transported out of the country before calling in a favor from someone who has a blood debt, meets and has a shootout with the fellow who makes the gold coins that make the high table's world run. Meanwhile, representatives of the high table inflict penance on everyone who helped John kill a member of the family. The Bowery King's army is slashed to ribbons, as is the king himself. The Russian crime family gets attacked, and Winston, the leader of the New York Continental, is about to be ousted from his position, forcefully if necessary. Not only that, but John's only way out, after meeting with the head of the high table, is to offer up two sacrifices. The finger that bears his wife's wedding ring, and Winston, whom John is tasked with killing himself. And it's here that we both see why John is so dangerous to the high table and the high table's innumerable resources. After a quick meeting with Winston, John agrees to join up with Winston and fight back against the high table's goons, seemingly wanting to choose what kind of man he gets to be and not letting the high table determine it for himself. But the high table are on their way to take out Winston in case John backed down. And these goons are loaded. They have head-to-toe body armor, come in an armored vehicle, and have the highest grade of firepower and skill. It requires armor-piercing rounds and a brutal series of melee bouts for John to prevail, at least on paper. Because John is quickly betrayed by Winston, who wants to keep his position at the Continental and knows that the high table will just keep sending dudes, so he shoots John and sends him flying off the building and leaves him for dead. But as we can see, John isn't dead. He's recovered by the wounded, but still alive Bowery King, who is royally pissed off and wants to know if John wants to take on the table. And John, barely able to move, writes yes in his own blood. So that's where we're at. John, who tried the whole penance to the high table thing, is now going down a different path of revenge, potentially to burn the whole thing down.
Let's see if he can do it. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, with the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.